Welcome to the Progress Podcast, episode 4, series 1. In this episode, I was joined by Stacey Penwright, all the way from Austin, Texas, in the United States. We discussed Stacey's TED Talk that she did earlier in the year, uh, centered around five steps to avoid workplace drama. Uh, and we discussed how businesses can adapt this and embed this into their culture. Let's get into it. So Stacey, for those who haven't come across you or your work or who haven't seen your TED Talk, could you just kind of let everyone know a little bit more about what you do? Well, I am Stacey Penwright, and my real name is actually Anastasia, but I go by Stacey. And a little some things about me. I am, I work at a Fortune 500 company, Fortune 500 company, actually Houston, Texas by way of New Orleans, Louisiana. And a little bit about some of the things that I've done, besides being a corporate professional for the last close to 14 years of my life, yeah. I have been, I'm somewhat of a community leader. I've been huge on volunteerism. I'm very active here in Houston when it comes to not only just volunteering from things that are helpful, but also education. Yeah. I run a nonprofit where we're focused on bringing many deliverables to communities that don't normally get resources that they can actually afford. Yeah. In my case, with my nonprofit, we give this away free. Okay. It's things such as resources around communication. We practice debates and how to speak to people and then how to articulate a point. Then also focus on building your brand. The best way now when I'm teaching students, it's more of classroom etiquette. Yeah. What is important when it comes to that? And then how does that fall in line as you go into your collegiate career? Then for adults, it goes into building your brand as a person. Whether you work in a corporate environment, what do you want people to say when you're in and out of the room? And then also, when you're off the clock, yeah. what is what do we know about you besides the company that you work for? Then another piece of it is health and wellness. There are a lot of things we always look at. We look at diet, we look at exercise, but a lot of times mental health takes the back seat. And so when talking to students, we just don't think about stress that can come to kids. Yeah. And a lot of my program is focused around things that they can do within their control. They really, when you're young, you can't control what you eat. You can't control what time you have dinner. So what are things that are in your control? Breathing exercises. Ways that you cope with being upset or cope with anger and things yeah. like that. And then lastly, we talk about building wealth. Now, within black and brown communities, we don't have a lot of resources or a lot of education around what it looks like with generational wealth. And those who want to learn about that, they really just can't afford the information. So what we do is we provide resources that are either out there available for free anyway or we bring in as experts that come in with their time to have conversations around that. Yeah. So from small businesses to growing your business to what it looks like as an entrepreneur to what does it look like if you are working for an organization. So whatever it is to bring that wealth down to the next generation. Fantastic. So that, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> so <laughs> you've spoke about what you do in the community. You've spoke about your sort of your day job. Um, I came across you um, via the TED Talk uh, that you did early in the year. Could you explain a little bit more about how that came about and, and, and sort of what the process was getting involved with, uh, with, with, with the TED Talk? Yes. Okay, so one of the things that my company did, which was really great, we had an opportunity to 
applied to do a TED Talk, which is something that I'm not going to say was my biggest goal. And I've done a great deal of professional speaking and interviews, panels, and different things like that. Now, when this came across, I just thought, this would be a, a great opportunity. And I'm one of those people. I take advantage of things that are there. A lot of times when, even if you work for a company, there's things they offer, resources, tools, and people just, they just do their job and they go home, which is fine. But one of the things, if I'm working for a huge billion dollar company and they want to be able to provide something, whether it's education, training, whatever it is, I like to take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, of course. And so when this opportunity with TED Talk, it came about, they said, hey, we're, we're partnering with our company. We're partnering with TED Institute. And a part of that partnership is that we're going to select 13 people to be selected to do the TED Talk. And so there was a huge application process. There was a huge way to go through, and you had to create a topic. Well, the only thing we were given was Ignite. It was something that you were able, it was a passion that you can bring to not just professionals in financial industries, but across the world and across different industries. And one of the things that, has been just so common with me is workplace drama. And it's just because it's corporate corporate world, you know? And so anytime you work with people, there is going to be drama. There's so many different personalities. There's just so many different things. Some people are managers. Some people are leading leading without authority. And so that was just been the common theme within my circle. So I decided, let me write about that. See what people think about, you know, what I've been doing to cope with the drama. And when I first went down this whole rabbit hole of thinking about it, I started with some things people might think. I'll just ignore everybody. I'm not talking to anyone. That doesn't work. No one. (laughs) (laughs) Then you ignore everyone. Everyone is just there even more in your business because they're trying to figure out why you're ignoring people. So I I tried different things to, to help me get through the day Then I tried different things to not only help me get through the day, for me to be productive and still feel whole. You don't want to leave work just feeling incomplete. Then I started just trying different things that not only helped with that piece, but then also where I felt good about myself. I felt okay. I didn't have all this tension and just upset and just keeping my head down and trying to make it. So from various different tactics, that's where I came up with the five. And they have work and it's, it's work. I want to say, I don't want to ever make that work small when it comes to yeah, it yeah, yeah. because I constantly have to do it. It takes a lot to have to work with such, um, such different personalities yeah. when you want to be peaceful, but you also don't want to be weak yeah. and you also want to be vocal, but you don't want to be, so demanding that it's off-putting. So it's yeah. just this balancing game. And those five steps, like I said, I work on every day. I still do because I work with other people. Yeah. And that's where it came from, trial and error. After doing it for so long, I literally wrote it down and I was like, I wonder if anyone would care about it. And so far, they have. <laughs> so you mentioned there that obviously you've uh, you've spent time refining these steps. You've spent time uh, writing them down, getting your head around them. How long was it? How long did you spend refining these steps, and how long was it before you were ready to kind of show them to people and and kind of get them out there in the world? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. It probably took 
Oh, I'm going to say from when trial and error from the first time I said I need to work on this, maybe a good five months, five or six months, because not only the trial and error period, but then recognizing my situation. Mm. And that's something that's very important because I start the talk where I said, these are steps that have helped with aggravations at work. People that are just annoying. (laughs) Like they don't necessarily have authority over me, which is a difference. Now we, we have a lot of people who deal with some drama where they can have it where it's maybe their manager or someone else higher up, someone who actually has the power to not only dictate what they do, but can dictate them having a job. In the case of my situation, these weren't my problem children. My problem children didn't have any power or authority or influence. They were just simply petty and annoying. And that is that situation that can be dealt with, where you have to know exactly what you need to do to get along, but then also win a cut-off relationship. Yeah. When you're looking at a situation with managers and things like that, that's a whole new ball game where you can apply these steps, but it comes some additional steps. There'll be more conversations you need to have. There'll be more of, I need to escalate this to someone else because they actually have some power. So it did take yeah. that six months, but it started with me first recognizing which situation that was in. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, let's, you, you mentioned earlier on the five steps. Do you want to sort of go through the five steps one by one and kind of explain to people the, the sort of the reasoning behind each one? Okay, perfect. All right, so we want to start with our step one. It's kind of go, and I let me pull up mine so I can read them exactly as they are. And it's so funny, as I had this memorized, I used to always practice with my with my husband, and one of the things I would say, do you want to hear my speech? <laughs> and even after, I was still saying, hear my speech. So he probably knows each step better than I do. <laughs> so <laughs> starting with step one, rewind and reflect, also known as what did I do? This is the revelation. I have a run and joke, run and joke with one of my, my friends, and we say, we, every time we speak, we say, okay, we're going through the book of Revelations. We have to recap the story so that way we can see exactly the role that we played into it. And it's, it's hard to do that. The reason why is because we have no choice but to recap the story in our perspective, yeah. in our story. Yeah. So with that, we're always thinking about how we felt while we were in the situation, which is the one thing we don't want to do in step one. Yeah. You want to recap the story, but you're going to try to remove the emotion. You're, you're trying to now do an out-of-body experience. Like, okay, just play it like a movie. What happened? Yeah. Where was I? You're looking at yourself. You're looking at the other person, and you're listening. I had a chance to do this, and I just kind of picked a few stories or things that happened to me. And one of the things that I noticed about myself is that I was too engaging. Yeah. There were times when I should have just let the situation play out and let and just backed off. Yeah. But it's, you know, in, in hindsight, that's easy to do. And you're looking at it, you're like, oh, I could have just shut up. I could have just let it go. <laughs> but when you're in it, when you're in it, the situation, yeah. you just, if someone tells you something, 
it's easier when we put it in an example. Let's say you are talking to someone okay. and they tell you, oh, hey, we just finished this project and we found out that the answer is A. And you're saying, well, no, it's actually B. And they're saying, no, no, it's A, it's A. And you say, well, no, we did the research, it's actually B. And at this situation, you know there's a disconnect, you know you're going back and forth. And then when I looked at that situation, like in my step one, reflect, I knew it was B. We had data to prove it was B. Everyone else knew it was B. What was the point of me arguing with this person about this? It's not going to escalate behind this. It had nothing to do with if my job stayed mine. So why was I going back and forth? But that's the emotional piece. It's something about how are you going to tell me what it is when we all know what it is? There is research to prove it. But you're in the moment. You feel the need to do that. So when you now look back and you reflect and you can see situations like that, What's keeping you there? What's making you go back and forth with that person? Is it pride? Is it just, you know, is, is it emotionally driven? Like, what is your overall purpose? And those are the things you have to think about. Yeah. And so the next time a situation like that happens, replay that so you can think, is it worth it? Why yeah, am I yeah. doing this? What is it? What am I going to gain from this? Yeah. And that's how you got to look at it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's our step one. I mean, just sort of touching on what you said there do you think that people are sort of almost their own worst enemy when it comes to playing things back in the head and sort of making things a lot more severe than they actually were first time around oh absolutely yes we're always our own worst enemy when it comes to playing back things in our head we do we add so much more to the story which is also one of the challenges when it comes to it that's why whenever Whenever I'm working on something or if I need to recap something, I try to do it in real time as possible. Because if you try to go back and remember it, you either add or you take away. So you'll have some people, and I can speak for me, I am one of the people who I add to it, but I make myself more of the villain than I probably should. And so that just kind of goes with my personality. I I don't like to be mean. I don't like to be overly aggressive in a situation or be too direct or anything like that. And so whenever I replay it, I see me as, oh my goodness, you didn't have to do that. And that was kind of me, even though it probably was justified, but that's how I play it back. Yeah. But then on the other end of that spectrum who will replay that situation and they will always be the victim. Yeah. They see you as the big bag monster and they are playing this small helpless damsel or male equivalent in distress so there is no there there is there i don't think there's a lot of in between when it comes to that it's usually those ends of the spectrum and the best way is try to remember the facts of the story and not necessarily look at the individuals involved as people look at what happened there was an argument there was a disconnect communication broke down if you try to focus on those pieces it's easier to get the truth of what happened, even, you know, taking away your own, your own perception of what happened. That usually yeah. helps if you go to the back. All right. Step two, come back to reality, also known as it needs to stop. Now, this one is everything is in your control 100%. This is the times where you are allowing yourself to, think negative about something that could possibly happen. 
when I did the talks on the stage, I gave examples of things we do as we're getting ready for work and we might talk about, or we might put in our head situations that could take place. Like if someone sends me this email, I'm going to do this. Or if yeah. someone tells me this, I'm going to say this. And you play out this entire scene that didn't happen. Yeah. But the thing about it is you do that because usually similar situations have happened. So you are replaying either an incomplete story, maybe something that could have happened in the past, or you're playing something that is very similar to what has happened already. And now you're just trying to say, okay, this is the normal. This is what they usually do. They usually send me a passive aggressive email, or they usually question me about this and they know better. But even if you know that this has happened in the past, you still don't truly know it will happen in the future. And by holding all of that tension before you go in, it's just adding stress. Now, we can't control or we can try to mitigate, but we can't really control what other people are doing or any additional stress that comes once we get to work. But if you add on stress even before you get there, that's just going to be so much more. It's better to go in empty slate. Like when you go to work, what happens at work will happen. Yeah. And there we can try to control it once we're there, but there's nothing we can do Too prior. Yeah. So don't add on by thinking of all the worst case scenarios. Yeah. Then also in the speech, I mentioned about listening to other people's made up situations. So just, and, and this happens, it's the water cooler talk. Yeah. Everybody has an opinion Worldwide about work. everyone. Yeah. I've never worked at an organization where it didn't happen. Yeah. And it ha- it really does help to create this perception of individuals in our heads. Yeah. I know I had, there was a, a person I was actually really great friends with and they left the company. And so then I, I call them a really great friend, but I'll say they were a really great work friend. I didn't know them beyond yeah. work. And then I hear someone else talking about the person. I said, hey, did you hear so-and-so just left? And they tell me, oh, yeah, but I really wasn't a, a big fan of his mm-hmm. because he did this and he did that. So I kind of think he's this kind of person. And I'm just listening like, well, I guess I can see why you think that. Yeah. And, and then when I talk to that person, I kind of keep that in the back of my head, the other person's view of them. And that makes me treat them a little different, whether I'm doing it intentionally or not. And that's how we get to a lot of unconscious bias is that we allow other people's voices to really determine how we treat others. And so all of it is so negative and it is so toxic. Whether we are bringing the toxicity or if we're allowing someone else, we have to go ahead and just just allow the situations to play out. See what is real, what is actually happening, and what is actually yeah. made up. I mean, it's very much like not doing your research properly, isn't it? It's like trying to write a report without doing any research. You're probably going to get it wrong, you know, if you haven't taken the time or done the, the due diligence to sort of find out about that person firsthand. You know, you're just accepting sort of, you know, tales. Exactly. Exactly. It's not doing your research, not taking factual information, and you're just simply just going by what you heard. You know how people always say, if it's on the internet, it's got to be right. You know, you're just (laughs) taking whatever wiki post opinion, and then you're using that to determine how you treat others. Absolutely. Then when we get into step three, vent and release, and this is 
the title is Vent and Release, and then, you know, it needs to stop. This is when you have your vent buddy at work. This is your confidant. This is your, per- I call it my person besides my vent buddy. And this is not just someone I would call who is just nearby or if they're in a project. Like, let's say you're doing a project with a group of people and you might have someone who you just naturally gravitate to. As humans, we do that. We find some type of similarity and we gravitate to that person. And even if you are working with them day and night for the last two weeks, it doesn't mean you necessarily know know them. And a lot of times, we just just because they're here, we we decide, oh no, we're best friends. And you decide to vent and you say things or you that it doesn't necessarily mean that they're your vent buddy. Now your true vent buddy. This is person you have an established relationship. Yeah. That is the piece that you need to get. So when you're talking to your vent buddy, it because you're so close and you have that relationship, when you're mad, they're mad. Yeah. That's how it is. You have a great relationship. So it's so easy for your vent buddy to just, oh my God, that happened in this. And they can amp up a situation. Yeah. So now you're mad and then you talk with them and they point out a bunch of things you probably missed. And now you're even more mad. And so that's not productive. Yeah. So what you want to do with your vent buddy is that you want to have a productive conversation. We need to address the problem. Like you got to get it out. Yeah. You got to scream. You have to curse. You have to be mad. <laughs> and your vent buddy as the receiver they do well with listening to that. Yeah. Being able to take that, allow you to get that out, understand where it's coming from, get the emotion part out. But then their piece, they need to be able to say, okay, now that you've gotten that out, yeah. let's talk about how do we fix it? Yeah. What do we change? What are the next steps we need to do? How do we get you out of that situation? And then now you as the mentor, you have to now be able to pause, and listen to that advice. Yeah. Understand it and put it into practice. Yeah. So I mean in that instance you almost want somebody that you trust to sort of to check you and tell you when you know you may have actually done something wrong, not just yes. the other that person. That is what it has to be. Yeah. You want them to be able to acknowledge whether you are right or wrong in the situation. Your vent buddy is not there to judge, but they are there to let you know, hey, this is what the situation looks like. And you were actually wrong. Yeah. That you can, someone can tell you you're wrong without with, without saying they're judging you. Yeah. And that's what you would want with someone with an established relationship. Yeah. Now, not only to tell you you're wrong, but then also give you some advice on how you can fix that in the future. Yeah. Now for us, the one who's venting, we have to be able to decide what, you know, cause you're going to do what you want anyway. We have to decide if we'll take that advice and we have to actually start to apply it. Yeah. And as I've been really working on that as being the person who's venting and the person who someone is venting to yeah. knowing, okay, when do I need to shift this conversation? Yeah. Because that also plays a role in it. If you're just venting for the last few hours and things like that, you're, and yeah, you do want to get it out, but you do need to know. And it's just, this is goes in for your energy. You want that that passion. Like right now it's anger filled. Yeah. But you also want to be able to take all of that bubbled up passion. You don't want it to just necessarily fizzle out and be gone. 
You want to try to convert it. Yeah. See if I can take, okay, you're amped up, you're mad. Let's see what we're going to do. Okay, this is how we'll fix it next time, or this is how we'll make sure you get out of that situation yeah. and keep that amped up energy now positive. Yeah. So that is something that I've been really working on as a receiver for venting. And then as the person venting, I'm asking that of my my vent buddy yeah. to make sure, keep me honest, keep me, if I'm hyped up, help me to switch it to the positive. Yeah. No, I mean, a positivity, like positivity wins all situations for me. Yes, it definitely does. Positivity, positivity definitely wins all situations. And it also, it, it helps with your brand because when I, I've seen it too many times and I've seen it with too many people as I've seen leaders who have grown, I've seen entrepreneurs that have grown, I've grown in my career. Yeah. And the person who is known for being negative or being the villain or whatever they've chose, whatever negative connotation they're given, yeah. it's always a giant fall down. Yeah. It always is. And then that's what they're known for no matter how many great things they probably could have done or yeah. did. That is always going to be recognized. That's their brand. Yeah, yeah. And then I've also been the receiver of the positivity. A lot of people who know me, that's usually one of the things they start with. She's really positive or she'll know how to spin some situation. And those are things you want to be known for. They're transferable. Yeah. They can go into so many different skills. Yeah. I mean, on, on the back of what you mentioned there about sort of growing brand and what you're known for, you mentioned in your in your TED talk the sort of opportunities coming your way because of your outlook and in, in the sort of in demonstration of these steps. Could you talk a bit more about the feedback that you've had about your steps and how this has sort of impacted your own personal brand uh, and the opportunities that have that have come your way as a result of that? Oh, absolutely. Great question. Oh, I <laughs> one of the things people with the TED Talk, they'll kind of mention something from it or they'll quote something from it and, and you know, they, they'll tell me, I could actually see that with you or that everything you said really aligns to how I've had, you know, how I've had conversations with you. And so that does help with your personal brand because your, your brand is a lot more than what you say. Yeah. It's the type of energy that you bring into a yeah, room. Yeah, it's everything, yeah. If you've ever walked into a room, I never used to understand the, I never, I didn't really understand the, the brand is yes. Yeah. I, it was a phrase people would say, you could cut the tension with a knife. And I knew what that meant until I was in a room where it was so sweet. Right. You can actually feel everything was just, everyone, no one wanted to say anything. It just was so rough. I felt like if anyone cracked a smile, their face would crack. It was just so stressful to even walk in there. And so... People recognize that with some people. You have people who can suck the air out of the room yeah. and some people who can bring joy into it. Yeah. And that goes well beyond, again, of what you say out of your mouth. It is what people recognize about you. Yeah. If you have someone who is constantly causing conflict, whenever they walk into a room, it is recognized by the entire audience. Yeah. And so then once they leave and then everyone feels they can breathe again, they're like, oh my goodness. You know, like, I feel like yeah. I can relax. That goes to that person's personal brand. So when someone is thinking about booking them for something or looking at them for a job or whatever it may be, 
they're really thinking about that person's brand. Yeah. What do they bring to this role? Not just your skill set, not something that a technical skill you have that you can do. Yeah. What can you do and as far as working and get along with other people? Yeah. And that's how your brand can define you. So when it comes to the TED Talk, that really did help enhance my personal brand because I wanted to be known as authentic, which I really do try to make sure I am yeah. no matter where I am and no matter what audience that even if my, the way I, my speech could be a little different, whether I'm speaking to someone, if I'm presenting something, so I'm being a little bit more analytical yeah. or I'm just having a fun conversation and I'm, I'm using my hands a lot and I'm talking like that. So, but at the end of the day, you still know it's me yeah. and you are always going to get that same that goes into your brand. Yeah. So that authenticity is a key, key, key component. Yeah. You want people to, whatever you're bringing, you want them to be able to recognize it for you. And that comes also with pattern behavior. If, and this is probably the most simplistic part of it. If you're the kind of person who's always late, and I'm going to have to say I've had that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People, right? yeah. people expect you to be late. That also defines your brand. And so if someone needs you there at a certain time, they're like, hey, this person has to be there and cannot be late. They may not necessarily think, oh, yeah, Stacey's the right person. I <laughs> doubt anyone would ever think yeah. I'm the right person for that. But if they're looking for something where, oh, well, we need someone who can really relate to people yeah. and kind of they, they can have a conversation without sounding too techy then maybe I will be a part of that type of conversation. It's always going to be unique and a characteristic of me every time you see me. So these are important things when looking at it because brand goes a long way, especially yeah. as you try to progress it. That's a great, great question and great call out. No, no I mean, I think you, you raise a lot of uh, valid points. I mean, I've, I've had conversations with people where you talk about authenticity and saying one thing online, you know, it's even companies, you know, of, of, of various different sizes of saying, you know, we are a caring business, we, you know, we're an ethical business. And then when it actually comes to it, there's no substance to it, you know? Um, so this is my favorite one. I must admit, this is step four. Do you want to kind of dive into to step four? Yes. Step four. <laughs> Learn a new language, also known as we need to talk. I'm glad this is your favorite one. So this one, and this is mine too. One of the things is I define my cadence at work or whatever I'm doing as my work language. There are certain things that I just don't do. I'm not the person who, if I need an answer, I pick up the phone and call you. I just, I just don't do that. I will, I will email you. I will ping you or if, and that's after I've tried to figure it out myself. There are some people who they will just pick up the phone and think, I need a quick response. Let me just yeah. call and see what Stacey's doing. And even when I answer the phone, I'm just, I'm the kind of person, because I don't do that, unless there's a problem. Yeah. Like the only way I will pick up the phone and call at work is if I either is way too long to type, and I'll usually email you and say, hey, I'm about to call you, so I still have an email out there. <laughs> or, I, or it's something where it's 911, I need you right now, I need an answer, it cannot wait until I get this email. Yeah. So because that's my work language, when someone is calling me, I think the same thing. I'll even answer the phone and I'll say, oh my God, what's wrong? And they're like, nothing. 
I'll just ask you a question. (laughs) That's that's just how I am. And that's, but I need to, one of the things that we have to do when you're working with other people, you have to understand their work language, things that they look at. And we have a lot of people, and I've worked with a lot of people in a lot of different generations. They feel that not everything needs to be go through email. I don't know if it's one of, I always call it my conspiracy theorist team. <laughs> they don't like a lot of email tracking, so they like to pick up the phone. Yeah. And I always think that, I was like, that's like a lot of time to call every these different yeah. people. But that's just how they communicate. Yeah. So I had to learn to learn as I'm starting to pick up the phone. It doesn't mean it's a 911. Yeah. If I'm answering, I can just say hello. I don't have to say what's wrong. What's the emergency? <laughs> I can just answer. <laughs> Yeah. Then also when it comes to when it comes to emails, I know when I did the TED talk, I had to email up about <laughs> understanding. I have a habit of I will definitely read an email the way I see. Yeah. And unless I know you. And so I read it with a smile, with a smiley face. I probably probably won't even pick up on the sarcasm <laughs> until maybe later, probably a year from now. I'm like, I don't think they meant that the way I read it. But I don't pick up on that in real time. And so, and that even goes to when I'm sending emails, I'm very, you know, I'll have a lot of exclamation points or smiley things, or I'll add a lot of fluff to my emails. That's a part of my work language. There are some people who are very direct and it, and I've, and I've noticed that and I've learned to realize that it's not rude. It's not, you know, well, sometimes it can be, but it's not always rude. It's just that's their work language. If someone were to ask me, hey, Stacy, can you send that file for ABCD? And I'm like, sure, here I can. It's attached. Thanks yeah. so much. Have a great day. That's my email. There are some people who will literally send the file and like, here you go. <laughs> and that's it. See you touched. That doesn't mean anything either way. It's yeah. just the work language of the two individuals. And when it comes to this step, that's one of the things that can cause a communication barrier and we have to start learning, yeah. realizing that not everyone is going to speak the way we do. Some people are, even like if you look at it geographically, like here in the state, it's a well-known, or I guess I can say stereotype of our East Coast people. They're very fast and they're very direct, like yeah. our New Yorkers. They yeah. are, what do you need? How do you need it? What do you want? End of discussion. <laughs> yeah. Where you might have the Southern places where I am in the South, where we call it our Southern hospitality. We're a little bit more, <laughs> how, oh, sure, you need something? Of course, I'm happy yeah. to help. How's your day going? And that's just our cadence. That's yeah. how we speak. And if you don't recognize that when you're working with other people, it could come off as conflict. Yeah. Or it could actually cause conflict. So you need to, we need to all learn other people's work language and that's the fact that it's different. Yeah. That's one of the pieces. People try to change you to fit what's more comfortable for them. Yeah. We have to learn that that works for them and we need to accept that and we need to adjust ourselves for that. And it doesn't mean you're appeasing everyone. It means you are, you're helping them just like they will help you. Maybe they don't like getting smiley faces, but they're taking it because they know you like giving smiley faces. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the same in this country. If you go to London, you know, they don't have any time for <laughs> They're pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get that within our, a lot of our metro cities yeah. and our, like our East Coast, our bigger cities when we have on our West Coast, so that California, they're pretty 
pretty easy laid back type. But and then the South, I figured we're pretty extra with the hospitality, yeah. the extra explanations. And then East Coast, fast, Midwest, probably ignore y'all together. Yeah, I mean, just going back to to what you were saying before about um, us needing to adapt. It, that was the thing that initially got me when i was sort of well, flicking through um on i think it was on uh, apple tv come across the ted talks app went on there and the line that you said you know you need to understand their work language and accept the fact that it's different to theirs uh, to yours um you know that's that in itself could would just avoid so much conflict you know um it, it totally blew my mind and you totally changed my view on approaching others um not just with dealing with drama but dealing with people full stop, you know, that they actually may be different to you and you need to accept that. Yes, absolutely. We are all, we're, we're working from so many different, like the way you are brought up, everything can be different. I am one of four. So it's, it's like I have three siblings and we couldn't be more different. When my if my mom were to give us the same news, it would be responded by differently. <laughs> like even the way we react to things, the way we take on challenges, everything is completely different. And we grew up with the same parents. So when you think about it, when you're just talking about strangers, everything can be so different. I remember when we have a lot of instant messages, just kind of similar like we're doing in the chat. And I'm, I'm known for doing that when... That's my quick response for non-emergency. I'll say, hey, do you happen to have this? But I'll usually, well, I'll say before I even started to do that. So I'll ping people and I'll say, hey, do you happen to have this? And they'll, one time I had this one lady and she actually picked up the phone and she called me. I said, hey, yeah, what's wrong? She said, well, I just wanted to talk with you about when you send me instant messages. We call it a ping. And I said, yeah, what's going on? She said, well, I find it very rude. And I thought, whoa, why? Why could that be rude? And she told me, well, when I receive a ping, I take it as a 911. So now you're making your issue my issue because you're interrupting my day with this 911 and you do that quite often. And I said, oh, I had no idea that's the way you were taking it. I did not even mean it that way. For me, that was just a quick response. For me, picking up the phone is the 911. So we had that big communication barrier, and it was a misunderstanding. And she understood where I came from. I understood where she came from. And going forward, before I send a message to someone, I would actually ask them, hey, can you paint? Before I even go yeah. into the message. Yeah, yeah. And that's something she taught me to do because it's just a difference. Yeah. People had their own approaches. And that's how she thought if you interrupt anything, that or she took it as an interruption instead yeah. of just taking it as a, hey, when you get this, which is how I try to do it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great, you know, that something so simple, like you actually looked for her to give you a, the lead on, on sort of how she prefers to be contacted. One of the things that, that I tend to do and I've learned to do, um, it was probably taught to do by somebody, was, was to mirror people. Um, if somebody constantly calls me, then I'll assume that they prefer to do things over the phone. If somebody sends me an email, I'll assume that, that you know they would rather deal with things over email or text or Skype or whatever it may be. Um, you know, so I think it's important to, to, to do that ahead of time to avoid any sort of conflict. Yes, that's a great, and, and that's usually, 
that's it's kind of like matching their energy. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. if you know you see that's the tend of how they kind of like to be speaking with a lot of people. They usually say, "Don't treat me the way you would prefer to be treated. Treat me the way I would prefer to be treated." Yeah. So you're kind of recognizing how they would prefer to receive yeah. things, and you mirror that. And that's and that's a great way. And we naturally do that as you know, polite people. Even when it comes to speaking with someone, if you'll notice if you're speaking with someone who's kind of like high pitched and energetic and they're like, hey, and you're like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> but then if someone's kind of sad or they're like, hey, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, what's going on? You just kind of mirror the whole tone they bring. And that's a good approach with a lot of the, the work they do. However, they spend it, you kind of mirror that. Great point. So once we've sort of acknowledged somebody's or how they prefer to to um be communicated with then we move on to step five yes step five recognize and protect also known as we need to take a walk so this is this is what i would say was my revelation which is really hard to come to but it is what it is there are some people who it's not that they are not trying to understand your work language. It's not that they're trying to do their own self-reflection or trying to understand your per- your perspective. They simply just don't care. Yeah. And with that, yeah. that's just the unfortunate reality. They don't, they're not trying to understand you. They don't want to get along. They're not interested in that. And that is something for us, we have to realize, that's another thing we can't control. Yeah. You cannot make someone be a reasonable person. They have the right to be wrong. They have the right to do what they choose. But you do not have to fall in line to that. We don't. So what we do, it's time to go. It's time to walk away. It doesn't mean quit your job. It doesn't mean I can't work with you professionally. But what it does mean is that we have a job to do, and that's all we do. We do this work. I do my part. You do your part. And that is it. We do not converse beyond that. We don't have conversations. This is not my vent buddy. They shouldn't be venting to me. And usually when I'm at the point where I have to do that, when I call it my, I need to take a walk type person, everything is very direct. There is no more, I'm not changing who I am, but I am changing my tone. And the reason why I do that is because I need to set that boundary. So in my example before, I said where that Southern hospitality, if someone were to ask for a document, I'm like, here you go. Hope you have a great day. Everything with that person, it would be here you go. Yeah. I'm not interested in how your day was. And I know that sounds rough, but you know where this path ends. You know what it leads to. And many times we we love to give people the benefit of the doubt. We love to say, well, let me try it again. Maybe they didn't mean it that way, or maybe they didn't understand if you've tried something a couple of times, and especially if you know a person has been known to not be part of their brand, and now you're seeing it firsthand, it's time to believe it, and it's time to walk away. Yeah. You don't have to have another talk. You've already learned their work language. You know what it is. <laughs> you've already done your self-reflection. Every single step that you've looked at, and it is simply they are not trying to do anything past that. So it is time to professionally walk away from that individual. Yeah. And it can it can also mean, or I, I should say this is another way to look at it. What everyone brings to relationships, that's like a gift. 
whomever is your friend or your vent buddy, you give them something too. Like people aren't, they aren't forced to be around you when it comes to relationships. They're choosing to. So that's a gift you're giving people. You don't have to give it to everyone. Some people just don't deserve that. And that's one thing I had to realize because I didn't, I don't, again, I don't like being mean. I don't like feeling like, oh, there are people out there who don't like me, but that's something I had to accept on my own and that's fine. But then also I had to realize that they don't deserve this part of me. You don't get the opportunity to be around me if everything is going to be negative or you're going to be rude or just simply just annoying and not easy or or not even trying to get along with others. So that's our professional walk away. There's no more going through it. No more. You have to be able to exit those conversations easily. Keep it very short and to the point and be very direct and set your boundaries. You already know if you're at this step, this person has probably burned you quite a few times. Yeah. And or it was just one really big time. And whatever this whatever that situation was, it's time to know back away. Nothing will change. Yeah. You've already established that this is a pattern behavior. Yeah. I mean so we've gone through these five steps. Um what would you say personally? What 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 um what can businesses do, do you think, to embed these steps and the workplace um drama avoidance into their their sort of company culture oh definitely it's it's going into a lot of coaching around how to one understanding work languages because that's a communication barrier that definitely is so if people understood that more they wouldn't take every single email as passive aggressive they wouldn't take every single phone call as someone having a bad attitude they would understand some people do have their own cadence and way they speak and things like that. So that is like step one. We got to kind of break it down to the ground and understand some communication. Then have a lot of maybe sit down or some listening sessions to really talk to people about, you know, the self-reflection piece. We bring, a lot of us bring our whole selves to work, or at least we try to, And that whole self can involve a lot of things that has happened before you come to work. Four times in traffic or babysitter cancel, whatever. And some people kind of bring that chip on their shoulders, you could say, to work. And it doesn't take much for you to just get upset or irritated or things like that. So really having some listening sessions and things like that for you to really understand what your employees are going through. Because that can really make the difference in how they interact with their fellow employees. Yeah. And those things help not only let you know that the company cares, but when, when you feel heard, it kind of does something with you where it makes you, you want to be a little bit better for the company and the people that you're yeah. around. So those are probably two of the biggest things that a person can do or an employer can do. So, I mean, I guess in a way, having a, a more caring and understanding ecosystem and, and, and business may actually sort of avoid workplace drama in the first place. Would you, would you, would you agree? Absolutely. Having a caring environment, showing your employees you care. Yeah. And you know there's always going to be an to the rule but yeah. when you have that type of ecosystem already set 
it's easy to spot a problem child because they're the ones that are interrupting your harmony in your ecosystem. <laughs> yeah. So that is, if, you're, if your employers care, they understand that you're not a robot that's just coming to work and you're able to just leave outside, outside. Because yeah. sometimes outside creeps in. And a lot of things can happen. So your employer can understand that they're there to listen. They have resources available that shows you not only we're listening, but we're here to help. What can we do? Programs in place. And when it comes to things that happen in life or, you know, daycare programs and things like that, letting you know we have those pieces. But then also the trying to train a lot of the leaders around best communication skills and helping you with communication skills. When you recognize that, it is helped with all of that in the workplace. Now, there's always going to be some type of quote-unquote drama, but there definitely is a difference when it's the one or two people that come in and try to interrupt it or when it's just a systemic issue of the the company. There's a big difference, and a lot of people leave great jobs or great companies for that reason where they may be, they may love the, the type of work they do. They may love the impact that the company itself makes on the external world. But then the drama that happens within and the fact that it's so systemic and goes so high up, yeah. people are out the door. And as new generations come in, they recognize that even faster. Yeah. So that plays a huge piece. I think people can can spot a a, a toxic organization a mile away. You know, they are a lot more sensitive to that. I think these days a lot a lot more than they used to be. Oh, definitely, definitely. Like I said, I never really understood that expression. You can cut the tension with a knife until I was in a room like that, and you can see that. And honestly, the worst part is when you find out that. It could be the whole organization because again, like the problem children is one or two, you know, that their days can be numbered. But when you start questioning how far up it goes, we have a systemic problem. And that is very unappealing when it comes to a company. I have many friends where they've left several roles and they've, and, and even when we're talking about branding as a person, even as a company, yeah. I mean, we've had, I've, I know many friends who've told me about companies where I wouldn't even think about trying to work because I've heard from so many different people about the culture there. Yeah. And when you hear it from so many different types of people, and then I have someone I built a relationship with and they said the same thing, there's something going on for everyone to feel that way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the, the younger generation entering entering the workplaces they're in sort of increasingly looking at more at the company culture and the company's brand before they even choose to to apply aren't they absolutely i've been working in talent acquisition for over six years and that is something that is huge people are you know i remember when someone could really just leave a job very quickly over just money yeah. or some people depending on where they are in their life they really care more about the benefits but as I see new generations are coming in, that is what they care about, the culture. Yeah. What can you do for me? How do I know you care about me or have resources to help me grow? What does the day-to-day look like? Why are people staying? None of the type of questions they're getting. Not, well, could I get an extra 5000 or can I do this? They're not interested. They want to know this yeah. environment. 
What does it look like? And that, to me, I'm actually thankful for the new generations coming in with that because as we see the the baby boomers exiting, one of the things that they brought in is, and I can't speak for all, but a lot, is that they would stick with the company despite a toxic mm, culture because yeah. that's their culture. You're supposed to stay with the job for 20 to 30 years. It would be absurd for you to leave in five or six years. Where millennials was kind of going into like our generation where they were just saying, well, no, well, we'll stay or we'll leave, but we won't just accept yeah. the status quo where our generation Zers are like, I'm out the door day two. Yeah. Nope, didn't work for me. <laughs> I didn't get a good vibe and I'm gone. <laughs> and so they're forcing organizations to change so quickly yeah. that you have to keep up or you just won't get talent. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's admirable. That's great because you're you're challenging. I feel like I, I always joke. I said I feel like our millennials. We we talked a great game and we said we want change and we're gonna get it. And Gen Generation Z is like I'm tired of talking. <laughs> we're just done. <laughs> we're just gone. <laughs> no more talking about it. Hold <laughs> on. Uh, so Stacy, thank you so much for your time this week. I know we had a few technical issues at the start, but we overcome them. Uh, at the end of every chat, what we do is we have something a little bit fun called Rapid Fire Five. It's basically five questions off the bounce, really quick. Each question has two answers. You've got to pick your favourite. Okay, we're, I'm ready. Right. So first one: Big Bang Theory or Game of Thrones? Oh my god, that is a good one because I'm huge. Big Bang Theory, <laughs> Game of Thrones. Okay. As, oh, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm going. You know what? I'm going with Big Bang, and yes. the only reason is because of the last season of Game of Thrones. If it was not for that last season, I would have went with Game of Thrones. <laughs> Big Bang Theory from beginning to end, I loved it. <laughs> Do you know what it is? I've never, ever, ever watched an episode of Game of Thrones. Oh my god, Game of Thrones is awesome. But <laughs> I, I used to try to persuade people to start watching it, but after the last couple of seasons, I'm like. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> right now second one instagram or twitter instagram or twitter i'm gonna have to go with instagram and it's because i only look at twitter if i'm just kind of looking at political trends yeah and so I'm on, instagram is a little bit more fun <laughs> <laughs> um public speaking or business workshops oh public speaking or business workshops i'm gonna have to go with oh that's a good one I'm going to go with public speaking. And the reason why is because every time I speak about something, I also learn. Yeah. And so with yeah, yeah, business yeah. workshops, I do learn a lot. But when when I do public speaking, I get the both. I get yeah. the best of both worlds. Makes sense. Um, number four, Disney, Pixar, or Marvel? Oh, my God. These are so hard. <laughs> Disney, Pixar, Marvel. I feel like you know me. Oh, my, I'm a huge Disney fanatic, and I'm a huge Marvel fanatic. And now Marvel is owned by Disney, so my two worlds collide. Oh, wait. Is it Disney, Pixar, or Disney, comma, Pixar, or Marvel? No, no. It's sort of like Disney, Pixar. Disney, Pixar? Like versus Marvel. Disney, Pixar. Okay, gotcha. Oh, I'm a... No, I, I got to go with Marvel. With in-game alone. <laughs> but Pixar has Toy Story and oh my gosh. But yeah, I gotta go with Marvel. Yeah, I mean, oh, well, I mean, Endgame, when, when Tony Stark died, I mean, spoiler alert, when Stark dies, man, I was like, I was in bits. Like that just, that ruined me. 
Oh my God. When Stark said, oh my goodness. It was, and I'm so, and we're the people who go to the movie theater like right when it drops. Midnight releases back when they had that or if it comes out the day before, yeah. we are there. So we watch it like as an audience where the whole, everyone is there screaming, crying all at the same time. <laughs> and that was just like yeah. heartbreak. It was just, even for, oh my God, Infinity Stones, yeah. when everyone died at the end, it was just like the whole theater was quiet. It was just like, what just happened? <laughs> I can't even breathe. <laughs> Huge now, Marvel fan. <laughs> now, this is the controversial one. Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh my gosh, Star Wars or Star Trek. You know what? I don't think you're going to like me after this, but I'm actually... Whatever on both. Oh. <laughs> I know. Nah, it is so that. crazy. One of my best <laughs> friends in the world, she's a huge Star Trek fan. I'm talking next generation, the newest ones out. Nah. I mean, everything. She loves Star nah. Trek. And then Star Wars, my husband is huge fanatic. And I've seen both and everything. I'm just never, it's not as invested for me. I can. If I had to choose, I would have to say Star Wars because yes. I've seen that the most. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but I'm not too invested in either. <laughs> I mean, I've got the... Oh, the, wow. Tattoo. The the Millennium Star Yeah, man. Like, oh, massive Star Wars nice. fan. Massive. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Stacey, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you your time uh, and I know we had a lot of uh, technical issues at the start but we managed to to overcome them in the end uh, if anyone wants to look at the uh, TED talk that you did then go to ted.com uh, and look for the uh, search for five steps to remove yourself from drama at work um, it's a really really good watch really really insightful obviously you've covered the steps uh, with us today thank you so much again for your time um, and I'll let you get back to uh, to the rest of your busy oh, of day of course Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am so sorry about the technical issues. And <laughs> it's like we do what we can. <laughs> Tim, that's it. No, we make we make it work. But listen, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. All the very best, and we'll speak to you soon. Okay. Oh, of course. Yes, enjoy the rest of your day, and I look forward to hearing it. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So basically, in a nutshell, what had happened was Stacey couldn't hear me, which, you know, for certain people might have a, uh, an opinion and that was a good thing um but uh but yeah so actually her so what we ended up doing was actually chatting through the chat in the uh in skype so i was kind of asking her questions and she was sort of replying um and was an absolute professional all the way through very very uh, enthusiastic as you can tell so if it did seem the audio quality did seem a bit odd or the conversation didn't quite flow that was why so we managed to to cobble it together but some really really insightful um steps from stacy um if you take anything from it please let us know i'm sure stacy would love to know as well um and i'll post uh in the show notes how you can get in contact with stacy on uh, on social media as well so thanks for joining us guys again apologies for the uh the the any quality discrepancies you may have uh, experienced uh, we'll be back to to normal uh, on the next episode which will be with emily dolan davies uh, which we're excited about so yeah leave a five-star review guys if you've enjoyed what you've heard please uh, share it amongst friends share it with other professionals who you may feel will will benefit from the podcast uh, stay well stay healthy and we'll uh, we'll see you on the next one take care guys bye-bye 